0: Okay, so welcome to lesson 8 of the life of Jesus. We are going to pick up where we left off. We were at the, I believe at the top of page 6. All right, so uh, what am I doing just for continuity? um, Let's go back to page 5 and start at Ezekiel 28 and verse 11. So again, now Satan is being addressed directly. All right. And it says here, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and turn the page over, verse 12 Son of man, take up a lamentation uh, for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now, we looked at, first of all, the seal of perfection or the model of perfection, all right? And so, the next thing in relation to being full of wisdom and perfection in beauty, um, or exquisitely beautiful. Once again, all right, that's what it actually means. All right, um, it means ex- exquisitely beautiful. And once again, we must be careful not to think that one cherubim class angel would be made more magnificent than others. All right, suggesting that God makes some things second best. All right, God never makes anything second best. Amen. All right, that's a lie that Satan is trying to sell people. Now. <coughs> It's, I've said here, it's carnal and it's worldly thinking. The fact of the matter is absolutely everything God makes is perfect. And why it said in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, about the other cherubim class angels that surround God's throne, that they all, without exception, look like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches. And it looked as though lightning was flashing back and forth among them. Remember that? We looked at this before and the living beings darted to and fro, like flashes of lightning. See, it didn't make any distinguishes between them. It said this is what they were capable of doing. Alright, remember again, I said personality is different to ability. Alright, this is what their abilities are. They're designed this way. They're created this way. And also from Psalm 99, we know that God is enthroned between these magnificent angels, because it says there in verse 1 again, the Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Alright? Now, (coughs) <coughs> Notice that he sits enthroned between cherubim. Satan is a cherubim angel. So, for Satan to come against God, one cherubim has to take on four cherubim. <laughs> okay? That's not a fight he's going to win, <laughs> right? To understand. Alright? Also, it is safe to assume that the cherubim. Uh, that were surrounding God would undoubtedly be the most powerful and intelligent creatures of, their, of this class ever created. Just by the fact that they are mighty enough to stand in His presence and effectively guard His throne, even against Lucifer. All right, no, so That's something else to think about. That what God would surround Himself with, there wouldn't be weak angels. <coughs> Amen? I mean, this is His army okay so he's not going to make something stronger out there and then surrounding him, himself with weaklings <laughs> hello <laughs> all right. so lucifer although incredibly powerful is not any more special than the cherubim that stand in the presence of god are you all getting this amen all right so return to ezekiel chapter 28 verse 13 goes and say you were in eden the garden of god now from this verse we're in the next page we see that eden first existed in the spirit realm. Notice that the angel was there first. Man was in there first. So where is this Eden? It was somewhere else. Are you all getting this? Okay. Alright. And this Eden was in the earth of Genesis 1-1, long before God recreates it in the natural realm in the earth of Genesis 1-2. Why was it called the same thing? I don't know. Would have been nice if he called it another planet. You know, planet angel or something. (laughs) Okay? But the thing was, all right, what I believe is that God created heaven and God created a sister planet. All right? And that sister planet, because of what God did, and we're going to see what He did, and I've already given that away to you but because of what he did because it was going to exist in the same space different realm, same space he called it the same thing which then brought in a lot of confusion because all of us kind of missed that Okay, because we are single dimension in our thinking God is infinite in his creation, in his thinking so to him, the most natural thing is it's in the same place, we'll call it the same thing except we all know that's the natural earth and that's the spiritual earth you know, today we have Windsor Road and Old Windsor Road. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. You know, to us it'll make sense. Somebody else coming from another country will go, "My God, man!" Make it two different names because you get mixed up. You don't know which one is which. You know, uh, you uh, or anyway, all right. <laughs> but to the people there, it all makes sense. All right, all right. So <laughs> back to this. Uh, we know that this other um, Eden existed in this realm because, unlike in the Eden in the natural realm, you could actually see heaven from Eden in the spirit realm. Alright? And why Lucifer would even consider mounting an attack on God's throne. Now this is really interesting. This is why we can't mount an attack on God's throne. And which is why I think God did it the way He did the second time around. In the first Eden, all that separated the earth from heaven was distance you could see one from the other you could launch an attack from one from the other because it's in the same realm so you know I reckon God said you know this isn't work out so (laughs) well you know so let's make the next one in another realm so that there's that's why you know the Bible says we don't now fight against flesh and blood it's a spiritual realm that is in okay that's that's on the other side. Okay, so if we launch a rocket, <laughs> it'll just go hit one of our planets, not, not heaven. Are you all with me? Okay, so we can't do that. But this was a time, again, what was the purpose? There was no reason to create another world in another dimension. There was no reason to develop another dimension yet. All right, Nike said, who knows how many billions of years passed before the rebellion took place. Okay, all right, so. Let's continue on, okay, (coughs) so again, uh, returning to verse 13, it says you were in Eden, the garden of God, we'll look at this more when we get to Isaiah by the way, so it says again you were were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, all those fellows, okay, Uh, emerald with gold, And now notice that it says every precious stone was your covering. See, again we need to understand why this was said. This wasn't said to say that Lucifer was special. This was to say that this is how God creates cherubims. This this was the way you looked. Now look at you. Okay, but people took this because they missed little things. They took this and said, Oh, see, God created this incredible cherubim angel and covered him with all these gorgeous things. Uh, Yeah, he did it with all the angels that were of that class. It wasn't just this one. But this one, because of what he lost, the point is being made. Okay, again, always look at it from the point of what was lost. Not what was put there, but what was taken away. That was there to begin with. Okay, all right. So, <coughs> so notice again, <laughs> it says that every precious stone was your covering, meaning that it no longer is. And why? Listen to this: the devil fights so hard against people who wear any kind of jewelry because it's a constant reminder of what he lost at the fall. You have a different view on jewelry now. This is why you see those preachers that go, see, God won't bless you until you take that gold ring off. No, you got a problem. You're not being led by the right spirit. Go sit down. You shouldn't be preaching. (laughs) Do you understand? Because you see, he's mad now. All the things that covered him, now he's seeing man adorned with it and it makes him angry. Because he lost all of it. Okay. So what is even uh, what is of even greater significance is that when God made mankind, instead of covering them with precious stones, I love this. It says in Psalm 8:5, "For you were made, for you made us a little lower." This is the New Living Translation, which is actually correct. "A little lower than God, and you crowned us with glory and honor." That's what we got crowned with. While the angels were covered in jewels, we got covered with God's actual glory. Now you know. What price can you put on glory? You can't. <laughs> okay, and it says you put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things. That's what the glory allowed. You know. Now understand something. <clears throat> A lot of times, the coats that people wore, and you know, which is like Joseph's, you know, coat and stuff, it meant something. All right, you, like your coat was an authority. Do you understand? And so, whatever you were covered with, whatever you you were adorned with, gave you a certain status. Are you all here? Okay. And so, the angels were covered in these gorgeous stones, but we were covered in something even greater than that. And that was God's own glory. And with that glory came honor. Which means that... (laughs) See, we missed this one now. (coughs) <coughs> it says, you crowned us with glory and honor. All right, Which means that all the angels had to honor what God did and honor us. Because we were in His image, in His likeness. That's why Satan did s- what Satan did was so horrific. Because he didn't honor what God had said. God had said that these people are made in my image after my likeness. And that's why it talks about the angels are to serve mankind. But this one rebellious angel wouldn't. He'd already rebelled against God. Now he's going to rebel against his creation as well. Okay? all right. so. (coughs) This glory and honor is the same honor and glory, excuse me, attributed to God, the Father, and Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, where it says in the latter half of the verse, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Isn't that Brilliant. Okay, that's to Jesus Christ. That's what God gave to us. Hallelujah. So that's why the devil hates mankind so much and has done so much to come against us in so many ways. (coughs) Excuse me. So back to Ezekiel twenty-eight thirteen, the latter half of the verse says, "The workmanship of your timbrels," literally, "the work of thy." tambourines and pipes was prepared for you or literally in you on the day you were created so again this is now starting to describe his musical ability alright? in other words Lucifer was created as a living musical instrument isn't that interesting? Okay. with percussion and flutes or pipes and as a result many believe that he was responsible for worship in heaven which is what I said to you but as I say next it's just speculation alright based on this one reference. This is where they get it from. They say, well, see, this is how he was made, so he must have done that. No. That's just how all the cherubim were made. All right? Again, what he has lost. (coughs) All right, so I've said that I personally don't agree with this uh, uh, anymore in the light of the fact that Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11 says, all right, in the New Revised 10 Version, and the four living creatures... Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing. Notice, they're leading praise and worship. Hello. If that's what they do all the time, then when did Lucifer do any of his stuff? That people claim that he did. Are you all with me? So, you know, it's all there. We just need to find it. (coughs) So it says that day and night, without ceasing, they sing. Day and night, they got praise and worship going they never stop. So it would be a bit rude if Lucifer came and said, "Uh, can we all stop? I want to do my praise and worship now. (laughs) Are you all with me? See how ridiculous that is? Okay, all right, let's go on. It says, Holy, Holy, Holy the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, singing. And now they're singing. Okay, can you can you just see this? All right, it's just the, the the music just builds and builds and builds. And they sing, "You are worthy, our our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you were created, uh, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created." That's actually a song that we sing. All right, <laughs> okay, now you know where it got from. Okay, added to this, uh, we're also told in Revelation chapter 5 verses um, 8 through 14, <coughs> it says that when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's where your prayers go by the way. Okay, and they sing a new song. Notice now not their singing. Alright, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were uh, slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed, uh, you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's all of us. We're all saints. Okay, We don't have to be crowned a saint. We're all saints. The, mo- the, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, you're a saint. In God's eyes. Maybe not in man's eyes, but in God's eyes. Amen? Alright. You may not feel like one, but you are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Now I lost my place. Anyway, it says here, from every language and people and nation, verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests serving our God. Hallelujah. And they will reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Now they're singing. Are you getting a picture here? All right. Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. Okay, now as a final reference on page 9. It says in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Hovering around him were mighty seraphim. Oh, I love them. Each with six wings. Uh, With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With the remaining two, they flew. In a great chorus, they sang. Wow. Wow. Now, can I just ask you a question? We've got cherubim singing, we've got seraphim singing, we've got the 24 elders singing, we've got everybody singing. Uh, You think they're all singing flat? (laughs) Do you think they're anointed? I think so. I think as soon as they sing, there'll be an anointing that just flows right through heaven. Question, if all of this anointed, gorgeous praise and worship is just continually going... Why need a Praise and Worship leader? Just saying, alright? they all knew to sing. It's in them to sing. Isn't that something? See, we don't get that. Today we see people that have beautiful voices here and there. There's not a lot of them and they're scattered and you know, they're, they're treated specially and so on and so forth, which is wonderful. And so we have those people leading praise and worship because they inspire worship in us. You know, and because they, they sing so beautifully, it, in, it inspires us to sing as well and, and enter into that you know, wonderful anointing. all right? But here, everybody has that. See the point I'm making? Yeah. They all can sing. If one of them came down here, my God, all of our praise and leadership would just fall on the ground. It would be like pathetic compared to them. <laughs> okay? Just one of them. Alright? And they're all singing. And none of them are going flat. In fact, they probably know how to harmonize in ways that we haven't even thought up yet. So it comes back to the point, I just really want to make this point. Because you have a lot of people will fight you on this. Alright? And they'll say, oh no, no brother. You know, Lucifer was leading praise and worship in heaven. You just go, why? Why? All of this is happening. Why? You don't need him. All the angels are anointed like him. And when they start singing, my goodness. You just want to stop your breakfast and just... Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. Mind you, you sound nice too. All right, so back to this. <laughs> okay, just say it. All right. <clears throat> so it says here, the mi- mighty seraphim, all right. In uh, verse 3, in a great chorus they sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The glory and it says the glorious singing shook the temple to its foundations. Wow. Isn't that something? And the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. That's when you say that praise and worship was smoking. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, baby. All right. So <laughs> I'm sorry about that. So here we see that even the mighty seraphim worship God without anyone leading them. Confirming once again that there was never a need for a praise and worship leader because everyone in heaven just sings and honors God with their worship all the time. Amen. Therefore, even though Lucifer was created as a cherubim class angel with all the trimmings that went with it, including tremendous musical abilities, that doesn't necessarily mean he led praise and worship. Or ever did. Okay. However, it does explain why he often uses music, movies, and visual arts, and so on, to draw and influence people away from God. It's what he was built. He was was built to do that. So, returning to Ezekiel 28, (coughs) verse 14. Thank God we got through verse 13. There's a lot in it, huh? Wait for the rest of the verses. All right. He says, You were the anointed cherub, Or more accurately, a guardian cherub. Now, see, this is where the the, uh, translations can be very misleading. People have quoted that and say, see, it said you were the anointed cherub. But that's only in the English version. Okay? The other versions say other things. All right? The more precise is what the NIV says it says you were a guardian cherub. So he was one of the cherubs that was actually a part of guarding God's throne as well. Alright, so he's got four there, but who knows whatever else. Remember that the cherubim are usually dispensers of justice, and they're guardians. Remember the ones that were placed in Eden? Okay, those were cherubim. Wasn't seraphim? Okay, wasn't any other angels, they were cherubim. They were placed to guard the way to Eden. Alright, once man fell brings up a lot of questions then doesn't it about Eden and yeah okay anyway so (coughs) it's so it says there again who covers I established or anointed you all right so many have taken this verse from the King James Version to mean that Lucifer was somehow special because it said that he was the anointed cherub when in fact more accurately he was simply a guardian cherub one of many that were created to guard God's throne so we know this to be true because according to Ezekiel's Description Ezekiel chapter one, uh, chapters one and ten. There were actually four cherubim uh, required and assigned to God, God's throne. So we've looked at that before. However, we also know from Revelation chapter twelve that Lucifer must have had some rank, because it says there that the dragon, referring to Lucifer or Satan, and his angels fought back. So that he must have. So this is now where we start to see something else coming out. All right. <coughs> Remember, I said that. Archangel, the the term archangel, wasn't actually a kind of angel, but a rank, okay? So you had angels and then you had archangels, all right? So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had this funny thing go through my head. Um, I better tell you now that I've said that, huh? <laughs> this is a movie, it's a very funny movie, got Steve Martin in it. And, uh, you know, he gets this little note from somebody that was sending him, you know, asking them for help. You know, the Three Amigos, have you ever seen? No, yeah. Okay, remember that? And Remember that little scene with the, you know, they say, the, the, they, they don't have enough money to send this really long, you know, telex. So the guy is cutting down the words and, you know, remember he goes, oh, you know, he's trying to describe a real, really bad person. And he says, oh, call him the infamous so-and-so. And so when they're reading it, he goes, hmm, the infamous, and he goes, what's infamous? You go, well, there's famous, and then there's infamous. That's really famous. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not like that. But, okay, so there's angels, and then there's archangels. Okay? And so the archangels, generally, the, that term archangel means that somebody that's in a high position. So it looks like Satan must have had some kind of a position. Still d- I still don't believe he was an actual archangel, but... We're going to see from these scriptures that he was given some authority. Not like Michael, but some authority that then he took and used and abused. So we'll see that as we go. So we'll watch this. Let's watch this unfold. All (coughs) right, so where was I? Forward back. Okay. So in short, Lucifer was anointed by God to be a high-ranking guardian cherub. So he was a high-ranking one. And sadly, what we're going to find is that he used his anointing and position given to him by God to actually come against God. Now, we still see that today. You know, people are given beautiful voices and anointed and so on and so forth. I believe, you know, now this is Pastor Roche, okay, not the Bible, it's just me. All right. I believe that, you know, Elvis was one of those people that was anointed by God. All right. Because when you actually follow his early life, Um, He dedicated his life to God. He was literally, he would sing gospel songs and his heart was toward God. And I believe that the thing that made him so famous wasn't just his voice, it was an anointing on his life. The man was anointed. And sadly, and I know of um, situations, I know um, from sources, be careful what I say on tape, uh, I know from sources that um, You know, God had, the Lord had actually appeared to him a couple of times just close to his death and said, What do you want to do? Because what had happened was he became a commodity. This is where we have to be very careful, family. All right? He, he, he's, um, a lot of people that had him on their shows and stuff said that he was an amazingly kind person. He was always very courteous and so on and so forth. All right? And so, And yet, you know, the media portrayed him and the church portrayed him in a way that was just really horrible. And and that's just religion, okay? And I believe that the reason he was the way he was was because he honored God, because he had a relationship with God, a true relationship with God. But sadly, this is what happens. When you're anointed and you have something really precious and something that is valuable to people, then you become their property. And so you better not find God too much or get too involved with God and stuff, because then that's money out of our pockets. And food out of our mouths, and so okay. And so I I know from from, you know reliable sources that people the people that were you know treating him that way as a commodity, all right, as their meal ticket, would stop people from getting to him. That you know God was speaking to them and saying, "Go and tell him this, or go and tell him that." Things that he needed throughout his life, that had he got those messages, he would have never turned to drugs and everything else. Okay, but he needed something, and God was answering him, and you know what? They had people set up to stop all of those people getting to him. It is, absolutely. Okay, but see, this is what the devil does. All right, and that's why we have to be really careful that we don't allow and let the world, the devil, take over the thing that God has given us, all right, and anointed us, anointed us with. Today, we're a little bit more enlightened in that area. And people are sort of very careful now what they sign and so on and so forth. But again, this is one of those things that I believe because of the anointing on his life and because of his relationship with God was the reason why he became so popular. It was just incredible, his popularity. You know, when you look at it, it's just, you know, it, it's it's hard to just put a natural thing on it. All right? So, lesson learned is be careful. It That is the devil's territory. Not primary, that's not, um, uh, (laughs) oh I need lots of words today and I'm struggling, I'm sorry, obviously not all there today. Originally, it's God's. Do you understand? That's why we can do those things, that's why we can be anointed, and that's why we should be anointed whenever we do anything. All right? Believe for the anointing. You know, if you're in the music industry, believe for anointing, man, you'll bring in the crowds like crazy. <laughs> we'll be surprised at what all come. Anyway, but don't sign your life away. <laughs> all right, you know, hey, let the money come to you, not some other rich little cat that takes it all and gives you whatever little pittance he wants to. Getting back to this. Alright, I don't know how all we went there. Okay, so <laughs> so it says so it says here again back to verse 14. It says, you were oh, that's why I was talking about that. Uh, be careful that you don't take what God has given you and come against Him with it or use it you know to draw people away from Him. We have to be careful. Alright verse 14. You were on the holy mountain of God. Alright now to understand what this means we need to um, look at Psalm 48 where it says in verses 1 and 2 Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, in the city of our God in His holy mountain is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north The City of the Great King. There's a capital K there for King. Alright, so we're talking about God's throne. Okay? Excuse me. And this is a spiritual mountain, that means. This is not a natural mountain. So this psalm and those two verses are actually talking about a location that is not earthly. Did you catch that? Okay, it's not an earthly location. (coughs) So in other words, the holy mountain of God, spoken in Ezekiel 28, 14, is actually referring to Mount Zion, which is located on the sides of the north of the City of the Great King. Again, notice the capital K for King. All right? So when Ezekiel 28.14 says, you were on the holy mountain of God, it carries a sadness with it, meaning reminding Lucifer of not only how much access he had to God, but also of how close he was to God, like Judas was with Jesus. And goes in the ad, you walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. All right. To understand this, we uh, this last phrase, we need to know the following. First, it says in Ezekiel 127, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he, God, looked like glowing metal. This is incredible. As if full of fire. And that from there, that's God's waist, down he looked like fire. Okay? So he was fire up, fire down, okay? And brilliant light or radiance or splendor surrounded him. So we're in Ezekiel one twenty-seven. Are, are we all there? Okay, good. So this is, this is almost repeated word for word in Ezekiel 8.2, where Ezekiel says, Then I looked and behold a likeness as the appearance of a man. From his, loins, uh, from his loins and downward there was the appearance of fire, and from his loins and upward the appearance of brightness, like the appearance of glowing metal. Alright, so again we're seeing this, we're, we're starting to, this term fiery stones is actually making reference to this glow, this fire, alright, that surrounds God and that ref- is reflected in all the things around God. So remember again, um, I don't know if you remember like the city of God is made of special, precious stones and so on and so forth. Can you imagine His brightness and His glory reflecting off all of that? Oh, it would just be incredible. It would be like a real light show, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, and it is all light. All right. Now, to this, we're on page 11, of my, my book anyway. Add the fact that the city of God, said to be in the very heart of heaven, is made of all kinds of precious stones. All right? With the Apostle John writing in Revelation chapter 21, well, I've got it all here for you. Verses 18, 19, and 21. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Then the wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 gems. Notice all of this, okay? Pure gold, clear as glass. Notice the gold is like glass. This is incredible gold, all right? It's like glass, all right? Wow. Yeah, all right. <coughs> and it's, uh, then we w- we're off to the walls of the city, built on the foundation stones inlaid with 12 gems. The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, now it goes on with all the, okay, all the stones. And it says in verse 21, the twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. Can you imagine the oyster? <laughs> no? <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. Alright? This is, this is not the pearly gates. This is a gate that's made out of one pearl. Hello? Okay? Can you... Alright? Just. I mean, wow. You know, just... Again, you know, but people miss all of this stuff, you know. Yeah, so but next time, says, next time somebody says, oh, you're going to go to the pearly gates? No, the one pearl gate, okay? <laughs> okay anyway, um, and it says the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. So notice that everything has a clarity to it, all right? You know, it's interesting about pearls, and I, I, don't know, I hope I'm right with this, that you can actually see light through them, all right? There's, there's something about pearls, um, they, 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 um, oh, I should have done a study on this before I, I came here. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I usually do all this stuff for you. But uh, so I just remembered back from somebody saying something interesting about the pearl is the way it catches the light. There's something very interesting about it and something very beautiful about it. The way it catches the light. And I'm thinking here is a city that's full of light. And it's got all these precious stones where light is just passing through everything, everywhere. This is the reason why you know, in that city, there's no darkness, there's no night, and you don't need a light bulb. The light is all from God because it passes through things to get to you, okay? And it's not, it doesn't deteriorate along the way, which is interesting as well, because of its purity. Anyway, so from all this, it is possible that the fiery stones, let's finish here. The fiery stones po- spoken of in Ezekiel 28:14 may be referring to all the precious stones around God's throne that reflect God's fire, brilliance, and holiness the closer and closer you get to Him. We'll pick this up next week.